So everything that exists had a starting point. Everything has a beginning. Everything, every person, every idea, every journey, everything starts somewhere. So in my life, um, I've had a lot of starting points, a lot of journeys that have uh, began and ended. Um, This is one of my first uh, starting points into a childhood obesity. So there's me. Um, Next, this is the starting point of when I've truly hit rock bottom in my life. Things were not good. Um, Next picture. This was uh, the starting point of me living the rest of my life as a Ninja Turtle. Next, uh, this actually was the beginning and the end to my athletic career. I... Yeah, couldn't quite grasp, grasp the concept of uh, don't touch the ball in soccer. Um, next, this is the starting point of my academic career as a very intelligent kindergartner. Next, this is uh, kind of the end of, a, <laughs> end of a season of my life, but also the starting point of my adult life into the rest of my life. And... Uh, It's a good start, still trying to figure it out. This next one, uh, this is the beginning of the best thing that ever happened to me. Next, this is the starting point of the rest of my life with my lovely wife, Megan. Where you at, Megan? Back there. What's up, girl? Um... And finally, this was last year, this was the starting point of our lives being absolutely ruined by this monster. So everything has a starting point. Every beginning, every person, every idea, every journey, everything has a starting point. And really, we forget this sometimes, but our faith Our faith has a starting point as well. And for most of us, our faith journey or our faith starting point happened somewhere in childhood for a lot of us. Uh, Maybe it happened through a conversation with a parent or a grandparent, a pastor or a Sunday school teacher. And through that, uh, you know, maybe you heard something uh, through church or a camp vacation Bible school, or maybe even like a caravan or a mission trip. Here's the truth, though. For some of us, you really, we don't think about this a lot, but through our childhood, as we learned these things through our faith, and as we've gotten older, and life happens, and under the rigors the pressures of our life, and as we've gotten older, our faith kind of fell apart. If you're like me, you probably grew up in the church. I know a lot of you probably grew up in the church your whole life, and you might not even remember that that faith starting point. Here's the truth, though. For some of you, or really all of us, that childhood faith has like I said, not done well under the rigors and the pressures 
of life. The foundation that we thought was solid years ago or when we were kids just doesn't support us anymore. I love this quote from Karen Armstrong. Uh, She wrote the book, Case for God. Many of us have been left stranded with an incoherent concept of God. We learn about God at about the same time that we were told about Santa Claus. But while our understanding of the Santa Claus phenomenon evolved and matured, our theology remained somewhat infantile. Not surprisingly, we attained intellectual maturity. Many of us rejected the God we had inherited and denied that he ever existed. I love that quote. Somehow, as everything started to mature around us, our view of God didn't mature. As everything matured around us, somehow those, those Bible stories and things that we were told as kids or at some point in our life, they didn't mature along with us. I would say a strong majority of us in this room have either grown up in the church, going to church on Sundays, uh, maybe with your family, or have you been around church enough to know and understand the basics? Yeah, God, God is good. But there are a lot of bad things in this world. And God doesn't seem to be doing anything about it. God, where are you? I, I was taught that you are good, and I want to believe that, but it's hard to bring that all together when the world seems so dark. God, I know you are supposed to reward good and punish evil, but I see a lot of evil being rewarded, and there's a lot of good that seems to be punished. God, I even heard that you answer prayers, but you didn't answer my prayer. You didn't answer my grandpa's prayer, and he's one of the best people I know. So I don't know what I'm supposed to do with that, God. Sometimes our childhood faith, what started off so fresh and real and passionate, the rigors and pressures of life started to chip away at it and chip away at it so much that maybe it doesn't even exist anymore. And that leaves us all at the same point. We need a brand new starting point in our faith. So over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to do. We are going to ask the questions, what if I didn't know anything at all? Where would we start? What if I didn't know any of those stories? What if I never read the Bible? What if I've never gone to church? Where would we start? Where would we start if we were starting all over? as it relates to our faith. My hope through this series, through tonight, uh, through the rest of this month as we walk through this, my, my hope is that we can begin to close the gap that's been created between our faith and the rest of our life. Now, here's part of the problem. The problem is this. The Bible. This 
is not the starting point of faith. Now, hold on. I'm sure some of you are like, uh, am I in church? Am I in the right place? Is that what you just said? The Bible? That's the problem? Now, hang on. I mean, I believe. I believe in the Bible, and this is essential to my faith and to my life. But this is not where it all starts. This was a hard lesson for me to learn. For me, the Bible was presented to me as a book. And what I found out was I didn't really understand this book. And all someone had to do was come along and ask a couple challenging questions, and all of those basic beliefs that I once had, all of that stuff just kind of seemed to fall apart. And then I experienced life through junior high, through high school, through college. And that gap between what I learned as a kid and what I experienced, that gap grew larger. And now here's what I want you to hear. Listen to this. The phrase, the Bible says, is not an adequate starting or returning point for us in our faith. If I was going to stand up here tonight and say to you, all right, guys, we need a new starting point. What are we going to do about it? You know, we need to restart our faith. Now, the Bible says... I know there would be a lot of you out there that in your head you would start saying, yeah, I'm just not really interested in that. I've already done that. I did that. I've tried that. I grew up with that. I know what it says. I've heard it all before. But here's the good news. Here's the reassuring news. The Bible says it was never ever intended to be the starting point for the Christian faith. This was not the starting point for the Christian faith when it all began. So get this. This is incredibly interesting. Did you know that the New Testament, so the New Testament at the end of the Bible, wasn't put together until about 350 years after Jesus' life? So there was no Bible. That means for 300 or so years, there was new, no New Testament. So no one could say, well, the New Testament says, well, the Bible says. And get this, for those first few years after Jesus died, there were hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of people that became Jesus' followers, but not because the Bible said because there was no Bible to say anything. There was an Old Testament, but there was no New Testament. So how did all of those people come to follow Jesus? How did that happen? The important question that we need to ask ourselves is what was their starting point? And for many of us, their starting point needs to be our starting point. So this is what we're going to do tonight. We are going to listen into a conversation between the Apostle Paul and a group of people that knew nothing about Jesus. They had never even heard of Jesus. And this took place about 20 or so years after Jesus had died. 
we are going to read from a document that is known to a lot of people as the book of Acts. But we're not reading the Bible. We are reading a journal, a document. Really, it's almost like a travel journal. There was this man named Luke, and he actually traveled with the Apostle Paul, and he was a doctor, and he would record and write stuff down, all the places they went, things they did, people they had conversations with as they traveled around like the Mediterranean Rim. He wrote down all this stuff on this journal, this travel journal. So this guy, the Apostle Paul, he knew what he knew because of who he knew. This was a man who knew what he knew about Jesus, not because of what he read, but because of who he knew. He knew Peter. He knew John. He knew James. He knew the people that knew Jesus deeply. And what Paul knew about Jesus came from those guys, the guys that knew Jesus. And Paul lived in the time that all of this happened. So one afternoon, Paul finds himself in Athens, Greece, an actual place you can go to. And he is wandering around, and he starts a conversation. And this is all recorded in that travel journal that most of us know as the book of Acts, which really isn't a book at all, but a document. So we begin. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both, both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace, day by day, with those who happened to be there. So Paul is walking around. He's engaging in religious conversations with people around. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? I got back up. I totally missed one, guys. A group of Epicureans and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. So these are like super smart people who love to have like really deep conversations about religion and the meaning of life. So then they go on and these philosophers, they say, what is this babbler trying to say? Others remarked, it's, he seems like he's trying to advocate for foreign gods. Now, this is completely new information to them. They've never heard any of this stuff that Paul is talking about. And the whole deal about foreign gods, that's a big deal, especially in a city like Athens. They had multiple foreign gods. And for someone to bring in a new foreign god into a city, that was kind of a big deal. Because it's happened before, as people bring in new gods into a city, it could divide the city, civil war, you know, it could be terrible. So they take bringing in a new foreign god pretty seriously. They said, they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. Now again, everything Paul knew about Jesus came from the people that knew Jesus. Everything that Paul believed about the resurrection of Jesus came from the people that saw a risen Jesus. No one had read anything. There was nothing written about this at this point in history. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting at the Areopagus, where they said to him, May we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. All right. 
This is completely new to us. Tell us more about this. Hey, start at the very beginning. We've never heard this. T tell us more. And the cool thing, this Areopagus, I think we have a picture of it. You can actually go here. So you could actually stand where Paul stood and had this conversation. And this is where they had a lot of important meetings, made important uh, decisions for the city. You know, they took Paul there because they were going to decide if they were uh, going to allow Paul to tell the people of Athens about this new thing that they were hearing. And the reason I show you this is, again, this is not a Bible story. This is something that happened. You are bringing strange ideas to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. This was their starting point. Paul then stood up in the meeting at the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that you in every way are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with the inscription, To an unknown God. They have altars all around the city of all these different gods. So many altars they actually made an altar to a God that they didn't even know and just said, to an unknown God. You know, so someone say, well, who is this altar for? Well, I don't know. <laughs> but if they show up, we'll be ready. God, we weren't expecting you. But, well, we were because, we, you know, we had the unknown altar. We knew you were coming. We just didn't know your name. And here's what Paul sees and what he relates to. There was so much uncertainty in this. Almost like how we have an uncertainty. Here's what I know, but here's what I don't know. Here's what I'm sure of, but here's what I'm not so sure of. Here's what you can expect, but there's, there's a lot of unexpected. So they have this altar to the unknown God, and you know we kind of laugh at it like, that's kind of silly. But in a way, aren't some of us kind of the same way? Why some of us only go to church on Christmas or Easter, just in case? Why some of us may have that piece of jewelry, just in case? Or that bumper sticker, just in case? Or why we just pray just every now and then, just enough, just in case? Paul goes on to say, so you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. Now, he's not saying ignorant as in, you big dummy. He's not saying that at all. What that actually means is, you're guessing. You don't know. You don't know. Guys, come on. You're guessing. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're just kind of guessing. I guess that's why we have that altar. Guys, you're not very certain, are you? Yeah, no. No, no, no. We're not, we're not very certain. He goes on to say, and this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. Paul is saying, guys, the God that made everything, the entire world, is literally bigger than anything you've ever known. 
and he doesn't need a tiny little altar. Paul says, and he is not served by human hands as if he's needed anything. He's saying, come on, guys. All these little altars that you have, you're, you're always trying to bribe your gods and like they need something from you or you're trying to do something so they'll do something for you. Let me tell you about this unknown God. He doesn't need any of that. This God, this God doesn't need anything from you. Paul goes on. Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From the one man, he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole world. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. This God, God's not a na of this nation. He's not a God of that nation or of the, these people or those people. He's not a God of the north or the south. He's a God of all creation. He's a God of everything. Paul says, God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far off from any one of us. Paul looks around the city of Athens and says to them, you guys are seekers, obviously. All these altars, you guys are seeking. Look at all these idols. You are looking and you want to know with certainty. And you know you have uncertainty because you've made this altar to the unknown God. You don't know. Then Paul does something kind of cool. He quotes not from the Bible, because it didn't exist, but from their own poets. He says, For in him we live and move and have our being. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. Therefore, since we are God's offspring, we should not think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone, an image made by human design and skill. He's saying you can't create anything that would re resemble this God. In the past, God overlooked such ignorance. But now, Paul's saying now, you guys, listen, now, in my lifetime, not far from here, just a few years ago, guys, God has done something. Not just for the people in Israel, not just for you in Athens, but for the entire world. At this point, they're all listening to Paul. In the past, God has overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. But this is not the repent, as some of us may know. This is not, this does not mean repent from your sins. There has been no talk of sin. The Greeks would know nothing about sin. This means to change your mind. Paul says, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed. He has given proof of this to everyone. And they're listening to Paul and they're saying, hang on, hang on. Proof? What proof? I thought we were talking about religion here. Paul, you got to stop, man. There's no proof. 
There's no proof in religion. I mean, look. To the unknown God, we don't know. I mean, we believe, we believe. We have faith. You're saying there's, you're saying there's proof? Paul says, yeah, yeah, there's proof. You mean evidence, like just there's evidence. No, 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 there's proof. Paul goes on to say, he has given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. I didn't read about this, guys. No one has written about this yet. I have come from a place where it happened. And I have had conversations with those that were there. I've had conversations with the eyewitnesses. And I am here in Athens, absolutely convinced that God has done something. He has raised a man from the dead to give us proof that he is who he claims to be. He is a man that was sent from God for the whole world as proof. Paul goes on to say, when they heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. They didn't believe him. They thought, no, 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 no way. No way that that happened. That's not possible. That's never happened. There's no way. But others said, hey, we want to hear we want to hear you again on this subject. And at that, Paul left the council. Sure, there were some, some people that they didn't believe Paul. They didn't believe what he was saying. Really? Really? You're saying that you want me to believe that someone rose from the dead? You want me to believe that? Not going to happen. If that's the starting point, I'm not starting at all. But a few said, hey, Paul, are you serious? Like, you're really serious. You're saying that really happened? There was a guy that was dead, and he rose from the dead just a few years ago, just over there in Judea? You're saying that you've You've talked to the people who witnessed the, the resurrection? And Paul says, yeah. And right away, I didn't believe it either. And then one day, I met the risen Jesus. So I'm here to tell you that God has done something in our generation as proof that he knows us loves us, and he can be known. God has given us proof. So the starting point for the Christian faith, it's not the Bible. It was never intended to be the Bible. The starting point of the Christian faith is a question, and that question is the foundation of everything. Everything. 
It's the foundation of all of this. And that question is, who is Jesus? Regardless of who you are, how you grew up, where you grew up, what you believe, what you believe right now, and what's happened in your life, regardless of all of that, this will always be the question that's at the center of all of this. Who do you say that Jesus is? And this is your next step. Normally we don't give you guys homework at Big House, but I really encourage you guys, answer this question, talk about this, have conversations about this. On the way home, in the car, with your friends, with your family, whoever, talk about this. Who is Jesus? Who do you say that Jesus is? You know, over this next few weeks and through this series, um, we're going to be talking about this. And uh, we're going to be telling you guys how we answer that. But I really encourage you guys, think about that. Who is Jesus? Let's pray. God, you are a God that sent your son as proof to us. And that's kind of hard to wrap our minds around. To believe that someone rose from the dead. His name was Jesus. So no matter where any of us are in this room right now, God, I just pray that we can be honest with ourselves and we can, we can answer that. And God, you are a God that relentlessly pursues us and loves us. And you are a God that's good. So God, I thank you for your son, Jesus what he did for us on the cross, and that he rose from the dead. And now that that's happened, we get to choose you. We get to answer that question. And we can remain in you and know you and be known.